Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If I should stay, I would only be in <laughs> Fucking flawless. Fear me. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they talk about how great they are because they've been trying to get that um, to line up for like a month. Anyway, hello. Welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. If I should stay, I would only be in Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I mean, it's a, you got to have standards. That's right. <laughs> that, that was why she was <laughs> one of our queens. Hi, I'm your co-host, Sarah DeBunting, and I am here, as always, with... Uh, I would also stay just for Mark Blankenship. Hi, Mark. Oh, hi. I would stay for you too, Sarah. Thanks. What are we up to today? We have reached the final four of our Record of the Year showdown, a tournament in which we are determining the all-time greatest Grammy winner for Record of the Year. We started with 64 songs. We're down to four. And as we've been doing all season, we are going to be ranking these songs in in order to figure out who gets on to the championship round. And here's how that's going to go. I have given each of the songs a point value from one to four. My first place song gets four points. My second place song gets three points and so on. Sarah has done the same. And our Patreon patrons have also voted on and therefore given points to the songs. We will tally up the points. The top two point getters will move on to the championship. And if you were thinking, wow, I wish that I could vote in the championship round. Well, good news. You can just go to patreon.com slash Mastis, where you can become part of our patron community. You not only get to vote in polls, you also get to participate in our Discord channel. You get bonus episodes. Uh, this season is going to deliver two patron-only bonus episodes, so get excited about that. And you get to participate in our uh, regular live happy hours that we do on Zoom. It's a good time. It's a good community. It's so much fun, and we would love to have you. We really would. Um, not least because I um, I need my soulmates with me on this journey that I went on pulling the clips for the final four. Um, We are now at the point in this process where some of these songs we have heard, like every possible clip of the song that was actually nominated and won. And so now we're getting into cover versions, um, like B-sides, stuff like that. (laughs) So we're doing an all cover um, clip show this week and uh i don't know if it's the recent full moon or just um like some kind of spring awakening thing that i'm going through i have no idea what is up but i found myself getting quite um emotional about these clips and what they said about the construction of the song and how they um sometimes deepened uh my understanding of the original uh so Let's get into it, shall we? Do we begin today with Beat It? We do. Okay. And let me just add that I have not heard any of the clips that you've chosen for this week, so I will be 
surprised as I hear whatever these covers are going to be, and I'm excited. Yeah, um, I I hope that uh, I hope that we both r- respond in exciting and different ways. Uh, okay, so little background on this clip. Ten years ago, my brother Dave and his team at King Killer Studios, um, home of the inaugural Mastess Prom, some of you may remember, um, they put together a compilation of a bunch of their client bands covering the tracks on the Thriller album. I had thought that my brother's then band had done the Beat It cover, but it's actually an outfit called Crinkle Bearcat. <laughs> Crinkle Why starts not? with a K, and um, evidently they chose this name by running all of the band personnel's names through an online Sarah Palin baby name generator, which, <laughs> um, if that doesn't locate you in a cultural moment <laughs> at the end of the odds, I'm not completely sure uh, what can. Anyway, this, I mean, fucking brilliant. Anyway, this clip is Crinkle Bearcat's take on the bridge, and then it rolls back into the chorus it has this very cool like romeo void slash devo retro feel to it um and well let's hear this snippet and then we can talk about how this lyric and this song construction maps onto a woman's vocal I just thought that was really cool to hear it um, to hear it done that way. Um, so, Mark, what do you think about what that says about the song's construction and about the performance of the song as we have be- become used to hearing it? Well, it was really striking, even in this clip, to hear the vocal be mixed really low. Yeah. And to let the thundering sound of the instruments drive it more than the voice. Yeah. And uh, again, just listening to this little bit, I really liked how this woman's voice has a bit more of a plaintive quality, I guess. That would be the first response that I had to hearing that section, that there's there's something uh, something about her being further away from my ear, as it were, mm-hmm. makes it sound a little bit more uh, desperate to me like she's begging me not to go but i'm already halfway to the brawl yeah i think that having a woman's vocal i hadn't really i hadn't really clocked that it was mixed lower and that's an excellent point because i think that this lyric is so much about um trying to well not trying to find community but like the the danger in defiance for black youth Mm. Um, let's say I could be wrong about that and I'm happy to be argued with what I don't know is a lot, but when it's a woman's vocal, you, and you hear the, you hear the lyric a little better because it is more of a warning and less of a, um, wail of concern. So uh, like 
getting that baked in part of the lyric that is about um, the way the lyric changes if it's sung by a different historically excluded group or representative of that group um, is fascinating to me. And especially because I think these are this band, the members of this band are probably quite a bit younger than me, at least may not have been alive when this first came out. Right. And are just coming to the song as a song and an interpretive exercise. Um, So it just really made me think a lot about, you know, record of the year versus song of the year and like performance versus construction. And it was really cool to think about that stuff, especially concerning a 40 year old song that we just in the season have now heard like 58 times. (laughs) So it's also making me consider the fact that, this song is connected to the song Waterfalls by TLC in a way I had not considered before. Really? Because Waterfalls, I don't know how well you remember TLC's Waterfalls, but that is a song about warning people not to go into dangerous situations where they are not likely not going to make it out. Right. And something about hearing it sung by this woman and also just... Hearing it in a version that doesn't come laden with my lifetime of familiarity right. allowed me to think about that. Because Waterfalls is saying, just stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Verse 1, well, I can't remember the order off the top of my head, but there's one verse about a kid who gets shot, and there's one verse about a guy who gets AIDS. And so it's the anxiety of danger that was very prominent in the mid-90s, and uh, beat it can be connected to that in a way that I hear clearly thinking about it from this angle. Yeah. Uh, Another note that I took on this point was how would this, how would this have been conveyed in terms of its story? If it were a um, historically queer act, right? Like Bronski beat or George Michael or um, scissor sisters or, 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 right. or a drag performer reinterpreting it. Like, I think that there is a lot of um, disco darkness that we always talk about in this song that isn't necessarily evident because of the familiarity that you were talking about. And because we also have been trying to reconcile it with a problematic performer. It's actually a relief to me to be thinking about this song divorced from the Michael Jackson performance, because we stopped thinking about these as songs ages ago. They're all part of the mythos of Michael Jackson and Mm -hmm. the, the fallen angel quality of Michael Jackson and the sexual abuser, Michael Jackson, that you can't hear the music as music almost. But when you talk about it now, it's making me remember, Oh, right. This song is about something other than Michael Jackson's fame. Right. Which is a weird thing to say, maybe, but having been five years old when this song was popular, Michael Jackson's fame was all I could really comprehend in it. Right. Of course. And and it's an actual Michael Jackson hit that isn't about how hard it is to be famous. It's not about being paranoid that Billie Jean is trying to fuck you. It's not like, like so many of Michael Jackson's hits are about his fame, but this one isn't. So that's interesting to think about, too. Yeah. 
And I think we have been certainly trying to put this in the hands of Quincy Jones in terms of like being not unable, but I guess kind of unable to reconcile Michael Jackson's crimes, both that he survived and that he perpetrated and Michael Jackson's contributions. Like it's, you know, (laughs) like I'm just a guy with a poetry bachelor's. I don't. I can't tell anyone else how to feel. We're just trying to look at the song. And then sometimes it's just easier, like, uh, you know, to step away and be like, well, Quincy Jones built this and Michael Jackson had a great voice and let's just not contend. Right. With the other stuff. Um, And, you know, MJ has been dead. So (laughs) a lot of this is not moot, but what can we do in this context? Um, With all of this said, I guess it's time to say that I was concerned that my rankings as they had been left after the Elite Eight, that I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to work to just leave them in this order. And it actually did. Um, They didn't move. So as much as I enjoyed um, coming back to this song and separating it from Michael Jackson, you can't really do that. (laughs) I can't in terms of ranking it. So um, it's a great song. I love this interpretation. And, uh, but it's still third, two points. Yeah. Well, and especially when we're talking about record of the year, like the record that won was not the Kringle Stroh cat or whatever, <laughs> whatever you just said. <laughs> uh, Palin Spatchcock. Yes. Oh my God. That, origin story for that band's name is amazing yes already that is a reference that i think a lot of people wouldn't understand yeah because (laughs) it's really been long enough that you're like right right she had like seven kids every she was always getting a new grandkid they all had names like river fox or trig trig right airport something like that (laughs) larp I don't think oh, there was a LARP. There was a trig, though. There, there definitely was a trig. Uh, it, there's, there's no question. Uh, massively multiplayer online role playing game, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that stands for. Anyway, uh, so I did a slight. I, okay, my rankings this week are sponsored somewhat by the law firm of Fuckery and Schemes. Uh-huh. Okay, as you will find out soon enough. Uh, I was more focused on what I thought should be in second place and join the obvious front runner in next week's episode. Okay. So there've been a little fuckery and schemes on that. And that's why I've got beat it in third place as well. Okay. And the patrons put it last. Okay. So that is, um, this may very well be the end of the road for this particular tune, but I'm so glad if that is true that this is the last conversation we had about it in this season because it was so interesting and such a helpful reminder of all of the stuff that comes with these songs that are at this point so well known. And I'm I'm really glad that the four songs we're talking about are massive hits because these songs do carry different types of weight, especially the two that are a little older. So it's a it's a good thing. Yeah. I agree. 
Okay, beat it. Um, we'll see if you are, in fact, going to beat it. I have a feeling you are. Um, our next song is Bridge Over Troubled Water, and I have a feeling that it will continue bridging. Um, this cover, I had a lot to choose from, and I did consider the ill-advised but also extremely energetic and brave disco version. Oh, shit. Who sings that? Linda Someone. Okay, sure. You know, we it, this may come back to haunt us next week. Um, but I went instead with the version from Johnny Cash's uh, American Four, um, which on which he is duetting with one Fiona Apple. Whoa! I there is a lot of history in this clip, and so let's hear it, and then we could discuss. When you're on the streets. When evening falls so hard I will comfort you I'll take your part When darkness comes And pain is all I will lay me down. Whew. Uh, I found this so moving. Um, the way that it slightly changes the relationship at the heart of the original. Um, that Johnny mm. Cash starts this song to sort of talk singing. Like he's too tired to even sing. Um but then as the song goes along, he begins to sort of rise to the occasion. And the this marriage of Cash's old, rumbly, tired voice um, and his side of this figurative bridge and it being met at the midpoint of the water by Fiona Apple's younger, more supple, I'm not sure what her range is, mezzo? Let's go with that. Sure. There is something... At, like that her side of the bridge is thanking his side and reassuring this patriarch that the bridge will continue even after he is carried away by the water. I am making a hash of this symbology, but just listening to it and the way that their voices take hands with each other across this body of water of symbology and everything that is so fraught in and for both of them in the culture is just stunning and really beautiful to get to witness. I would say I had never heard this before. I listened to it like seven times. Um, and I just think it really says something about the song that different duets can step into it and slightly change it and that the the baggage they bring in to decorate it is um uh, you know different but almost as good and uh i'm not usually a johnny cash guy but this was really something so this is still my number one at what point does fiona apple enter the song uh she um she you could sort of hear her humming but she comes in at the sort of first chorus at the end of the first chorus so i really like that because it does 
strengthen the image that you just beautifully spun, I thought, that this is all of these American recordings by Johnny Cash, uh, meaning recordings he did for the label American, uh, from the very end of his career, have this quality of a grizzled old veteran having one last ride before he goes mm-hmm. off forever into the sunset and yep. having her come in a little bit later. The image that's coming to my mind is him leaning on her as they walk over the bridge. Yeah, that could work too. And the way that she sings it in uh, that quiet way is so gentle and it creates a real sense of empathy God, this is like blowing my mind. It's so beautiful because Fiona Apple is absolutely capable of a howling banshee-like vocal. She has a lot of colors in her voice. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she chose that, the fact that she chose that gives it such a kindness and it really gets at the kindness inherent in the song that we've talked about so much. But I've never thought before about the fact that it could be a generational kindness and it's a promise to care for someone both at the end of their lives. But then if you think about it, oh, Jesus, the last verse, sail on by. Yeah. Your time has come to shine. Yeah. Like that he's oh at the top God. of the rainbow bridge sort of looking over his shoulder like, I'm going to go. You've got this. And that it's her. Um, And that so much of his sort of central relationship that we know about was with the fellow musician and i mean it was just extraordinary (sighs) to me well i'm getting choked up over here yeah just thinking about the song now as this testament to a lovely death and oh god (laughs) (laughs) i mean this is a perfect time to mention that we had a fabulous comment on this week's patreon poll from a listener named sky She writes, I just joined the Patreon today because I've been listening to the Record of the Year series while I work and realized I'm not that familiar with Bridge Over Troubled Water. I'm 44. I have no excuse. So I listened to it on YouTube, and now I am crying and feeling very emotional at work. Mm -hmm. So thanks a lot. Number one for me. Gah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, girl. But now I'm crying at work, too, although this is my work, so I guess it's fine. But uh, damn. So, the yes, you put it in first place. The patrons put it in first place. Now, I put it in last place because I knew it wasn't going to have a problem getting through. You're and I needed to. Dick. Why do you do this? Because I needed, like, because it was so obvious that this song was going to make it through. And I was just like, I can't just vote for this song for number one every week. Like, I have to, like, mix it up for myself. So. I thought about this week as being more about, like I said, fighting for that number two slot because I knew that I could put this song anywhere and it would sail through just fine because I suspected it would have two first place finishes and it did. So I am over here with my thumb on the scale. Just own it, honey tush, (laughs) which is, by the way, if you don't listen to this podcast frequently or forget some of the gazillion stupid things I say. Own It Honey Tush is an anagram for Whitney Houston. (laughs) And we're continuing to own that even though she was ejected from the running. Yes. A couple of weeks ago. So that brings us now, Sarah, to Adele's Rolling in the Deep. It does. Um, 
The other covers that I selected, I felt like they deepened and broadened the case for the songs. This one, I'm not sure what it does. There were a number of covers available here, um, but I picked this one because I think that um, it opens up a conversation about how big a part of the uh, effect is the performance um mm. this is a metal cover <laughs> by a dude i found on youtube named uh leo moracchioli i believe is how you pronounce his last name uh the video is quite funny in how it parodies like metal styles he has like a segmented chin hair braid he's really going for it um but i'm not sure what the flexibility of the song in other genres says about this the original in the performance but let's hear a clip um from leo and uh we'll see how we go I, I mean, I enjoy that it does sort of lend itself to this, like, to holleration that is part of heavy metal, um, and that he can do this, like, growly satirizing of it, but it's still, like, a, a parody of the thing can still be as enjoyable as the thing. But the fact of the gag is kind of the gag. Like, once you've heard a snippet of this, you don't really have to keep going with this right. iteration like- of the song. It's not like it's offering anything that's earnest or sincere in its reinterpretation of the material. Yeah. I mean, I I think it is. I think there is a respect for the build of the song. But I also think that Adele's voice and what Adele brings to it and sort of the, um, the uh, different emotions that she is combining, like her alchemy is much more important to yes. the song, in my opinion, based on having heard various covers of it. And, like, I, I listened to a bunch of country, like, live versions of it, including ones that Adele showed up to sing with, like, Emmylou Harris or whatever. And it's, like, huh. that you would think that those versions would be really powerful and would add something. I just couldn't get a good audio clip. And it, it wasn't that interesting to think about it. Um, this was interesting to think about. Um, so I'm wondering what you think in terms of hearing a clip in a different subgenre of popular music and what that says about this song's performance as being the engine of its win. Yes. Okay. So it makes me think about the Aretha Franklin cover of this song. I don't know yeah. if you heard that on your travels. I, I did. It felt a little on the nose. So for now, I passed on it. Yeah, but... That cover to me also just reiterated the excellence of Adele's version because mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin's version almost felt cutesy to me. Like, yeah, that's a good word for it. 
Like, she didn't seem to be connected to the anger in the song. And yeah. I will say that the metal version you just played is connected to the anger in the song. Like there, <laughs> yeah. there is an appropriate amount of heavy metal rage in rolling in the deep. Yes, I agree. And I, I suspect that Adele would listen to this and be like, yep, that works. <laughs> I and, uh, I think that it is one of the things that I have appreciated anew about rolling in the deep as we, as we've been listening to it for this season is how many parts are in that song. And I think we talked about this last week that the, uh, the clapping in the bridge sounds very different from the, what's happening in the verses and the choruses. There's just a lot of movements inside of the structure of the song. Yep. Yep. And I think that I haven't heard the whole thing, but I would suspect that the heavy metal version does not have a sense of movements in it the way that the original does. Not yet. Not as much because you are kind of in this, more compressed um aural aro emotional range with metal just because it's that's what metal is yeah so i feel like this all just underscores the fact that lyrically this song is pretty straightforward mm-hmm. i am mad at you i am hopeful that you will go to hell <laughs> i won't ever see you again fuck you you're the reason that this is bad i hate you like that's that's really a very straightforward emotional place to be coming from. Yeah. Lyrically. It's not nearly as uh, subtle as, say, the previous two songs. But it's the performance and the production that add a lot of texture to that. And it yeah. highlights how much the record itself is achieving. Because her voice has a lot of texture and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, different things going on to match that production. So actually... This is just underscoring how good the record is and how it could have been a much less exciting song had it not been performed and produced in the way that it was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Adele. I knew I liked this song. Anyway, I am in my, again, you know, fuckery way, put this song in second place this week. And so did the patrons. They put it in second place as well. Uh, but remind me where you put it last. I knew that that was correct. I actually remembered from last week, but I wanted to let you say it. So yeah. I just dropped my pen. I was so shocked, uh, except I wasn't at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that this says anything bad about the song's construction or any of that. Like, again, I like the song. This was an amusing thought exercise to see why this metal version both did and did not um, inspire my thinking about the song but there's something about and i know this is sort of the opposite of the point of record of the year versus song of the year but if a song is not um like i just feel like the song should be a little more um inviting to other interpretations and it other interpretations should impress me more then this like it should have more potential for uh reimagining and this is probably unfair of me well i mean again in terms of record of the year i would say that the fact that this is the that that's the only version that works actually proves that it was yeah. such a great record yeah i agree so i'm but if you're allowed to put Bridge Over Troubled Water I mean, last, I'm allowed to interpret this shit like this. So, honey, uh, listen, tush, I don't here it shit. is. <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do. I don't care. <laughs> listen, I I have 
changed my criteria every single week for the reasons that I put things in, where I put them. It's all subjective anyway. So mm. I'm not mad at you, girl, please. Even if this were legally binding, I would be like, oh, okay, fine. If <laughs> this were legally binding? <gasps> How dare you. So I, there we go. <laughs> We, we could have had it all, but now we're rolling into um, last place. Um, okay, so here we are at the the John Ramos Memorial uh, <laughs> murder room, known as somebody that I used to know. Um, this, uh, the covers section of the song's Wikipedia page um, is very long and huh. talked about how Gautier, quote, paid tribute to the overwhelming number of cover versions of the song um, and made his own video remix like 10 years ago. Um, Dozens and dozens of online versions collaged together, including um, that fairly famous one where it's like five players on one. Oh yeah. The walk off the earth. I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Acapella groups, guitar teachers. There's this one, I think they're a couple and they're doing it and they just look fucking miserable, especially the woman um, like kids. Uh, it's called somebody's a YouTube orchestra. Um, huh. Here is a clip in this section, just this section. There is a lady with a banjo, another lady with a ukulele, a dude playing his own face <laughs> and some hot ass 80s saxophone. Here we go. this whole thing now uh, yeah this will all be in the show notes all of these will be um this i watched this like eight times mostly to try to find a clip that wasn't going to be like two and a half minutes long and get us in copyright trouble with spotify again um but also it's it's hypnotic to watch but then even as you're listening to it it is this Wonderful transition of the symbology of the song from an angry point counterpoint between two broken up people, the way we have always talked about it. And, you know, that interpretation is correct, obviously. But Gautier coming back to it and cutting all of these things together, it becomes an investigation of the relationship between the song, its creator, and all of its interpreters Yes, I think is just given the sort of core meaning of the song and the fact that it is a, you know, unreliable narrator situation um, that that this um, blossoming of a gazillion other interpretations that the creator then interprets is like breathtaking to me and exciting and the song is 
talking to all the people that it you that used to know it. And it's just so cool. It's just such a fun thing to think about. And what a joy to have Gautier, like, you know, Gautier and Gautier talk about songsing this process of his own song. Uh, it just is really cool and speaks to every single thing that we try to do here. Um, and uh, yeah, I just was thrilled. I was thrilled to have found this and I was thrilled to get to think about it and to talk about it with you. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's just a fucking cool song and it's still my number two. Cause I don't want to die. Hey, John. <laughs> well, and it also goes even to the origin of the original record because when he was writing the song, Goche thought he was finished and then realized he needed the woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. So he then opened it up the song and invited Kimber in and that just speaks to Gautier as a really capacious hearted artist and uh, capaciously hearted artist. Sure. We'll say that that's what I'm trying to say. Sure. But I really, I really admire that, that he, he is, he seems to be interested in putting the art in front of his own uh, pop star ego or whatever. And he clearly has never acted like a pop star. He hasn't released another album since this album. Um, but like he, he's just a very he seems like almost a performance artist who just lucked into one of the biggest yeah. hits of the 21st century. Yeah. And there's such a sense of um, like curiosity, but also admiration that like, yes. here's a you know, there's like two acapella choirs, one all women and one all men's voices like facing each other in a nave somewhere and the way that he splices it together, there's this, like, that he's like, huh. And then he just fucks with it. Like, I would have loved to be, like, in the room when he was putting this together and deciding, yes. like, who was going to go where. And then he he clearly thinks that it's, like, he's chuffed by the whole thing. By yeah, thinking about is... it the same way we are. Hey, Gote, if you hear of our podcast, can you come on it? We'd like to talk to you. I mean, I, I think that that's exactly right. That he he finds joy in the way that people are in, interacting with his art. Yeah. And he's so happy about it and so curious about it, like you just said, like the way that we try to be, that he makes a new artwork out of people's responses to his artwork. And that's just so indicative of the true creative life to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. God, yes. That the now that I think about this more and the way that I hear you describe it, I completely agree. Like what a nice what a nice tribute to the work he's made and also to the idea that an artwork can belong to everyone. Yeah. And it never has to stop. It can be like reimagined, reinterpreted, taken apart and put back together in our era of extremely litigious in our extremely litigious era in which people are frequently sued for quote unquote stealing songs from each other, Gauthier's response here is the exact opposite of that. And that's the world I want to live in. Yeah. Well, and it, it always reminded me of, you know, I was a poetry major and in workshop, my sort of thing with, and my advisor shared this view was like, it, it's not done until it's been read or heard. Um, my theater teacher in, uh, in high school also said this that like the play there's the reading the play and then they're seeing the play and there's like different timelines in which the play is existing in sort of these schrodinger 
configurations, but it's never finished. Yeah. Which is the sort of beauty of live theater. And it gets really into like a lot of um, <laughs> particle physics and philosophy that that's above my pay grade. But I always sort of felt like, you know, I'm going to write this poem. We're going to see what people think of it. But then if someone's like, oh, is this about, you know, your relationship with your grandparents? And I was like, well, I didn't think it was. But if you think it is, then it kind of is. Right. Uh, like, so I don't know that spirit of. I made this thing, but it's not quite done until, you know, you, the listener or the consumer have decided what it means to you. Right. I don't know. That's cool. I love that. It also makes me think about a class I took in college that changed my professional life called Reading for Performance, in which we spent an entire year of my entire sophomore year, I was being trained to read plays with an eye toward how they would exist on stage. And the right. whole premise of the class was this play is not meant to live on the page that you right. are reading. So you have got to learn how to, in effect, stage it in your mind or you are not reading it successfully. And I really took that to heart. It affected my, it's affected the rest of my life. Yeah, I agree. Um, I may have actually ranked this incorrectly, but force of law and all that. <laughs> well, I put it in first place this week. Wow. Uh, where okay. it has landed in other weeks as well. Uh, and you put it in second and the patrons put it in third. Okay. But that gives us what I feel selfishly is the right and just final two for our championship round, which is Bridge Over Troubled Water and somebody that I used to know. <gasps> oh, because that's great. The, they have now tied this week with nine points apiece. And that puts Adele in third with seven points and beat it in fourth with five. So I feel that this is an excellent outcome. I think all four of these songs are obviously fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I am happy to have the conversation about Bridge and Somebody, if you want to shorten it and be cute. Uh, next week, it's interesting that we've got two duets, essentially, mm -hmm. like they're basically solos, but with really important secondary voices that appear later. If you mm -hmm. think about it, uh, they're about very different things. They're from very different eras. They have very different sounds. Uh, it's going to be really fun to at long last put these two diamonds up to one another in the loop that is this podcast. Yeah. Um, spoiler, I'm just going to give them both 1.5 points. <laughs> i yeah i just i mean exploring these cover versions really took me um on an emotional and um lexicographical um, sure. journey that i was not expecting to go on that i was like i'm just gonna write them down in the same order and then i'm done and then i was like oh right i'm on clips duty this week how can we switch this up and I found the Johnny Cash, Fiona Apple clip first. And then it was like, okay, all of these other clips then must bring it in terms right. of what the, in terms of their power to uh, inspire contemplation. And they all did yeah. for different reasons. So yeah, um, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but uh, here's what I we're going to do. 
We're yeah. going to both record our own versions of these songs and perform them for each other. I was going to say, let's just splice them together in a big old mashup. That'll be kind of upsetting for everyone. Some bridge over troubled water that I used to know. Yeah. <laughs> Some bridge that I used to water. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> listeners, thank you so much. Um, listeners, Patreon supporters, we appreciate your input. We would love to have you along for the ride. We're almost at the end of our journey. We have almost crossed the troubled water with all of you that we still know. And, uh, this has really been so much fun. I'm I'm so sad that it's almost over, but um, we're hoping that you have also enjoyed the season and you can get even more related content, like we said, patreon.com slash mastass. songs is hosted by sarah d bunting and mark blankenship that's me and edited by sarah d bunting that's me this podcast is a proud member of the believe network learn more at bleav.com and if you want to talk about songs suggest a season theme get a pop chart reading or customized playlist or have a cocktail with us and your fellow listeners then come on by our patreon page at patreon.com slash where you'll find polls happy hours, and tons of extra episodes and content. We're also at Talk Songs on Twitter, at Mastass Everywhere on Instagram, and Mastass.podcast on Facebook. Or just email us, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. All that contact info will be in our show notes. Scroll down. Hope we'll be talking about songs with you soon. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube